Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Traven Rice, uh, co-founder and arts and culture editor of The Lowdown. And we are here at PT Knitwear. Uh, it's a bookstore, cafe, and community podcast studio. And we're at 180 Orchard. Um, it's feeling a little, little fall-like today, starting to feel like fall out on Orchard Street. I'm here with Ian Kong. She's the director and co-founder of Think Chinatown. And we're going to hear all about it, but I want to let you know about one of the events, one of the many events that happen here at PT Knitwear. Um, they have a lovely little space, little stadium space. They have artist talks, book signings, and community events almost every night. And on Friday, October 6th um, at 7 p.m., they have Ling Ma presenting Bliss Montage, uh, the paperback release. And uh, she will be celebrating that it's a national best-selling story and she'll have a bunch of different authors that are going to be here to read with her and the event uh, you can rsvp online um, it's five dollars and that's general admission and you can apply that towards a purchase of the book or a product in the cafe on the night of the event and they have a lovely cafe so i highly recommend checking out that event uh, and just coming to check out pnt knitwear in general. Um, and now I'm really happy to introduce Yin. Um, so Think Chinatown was started by a bunch of Chinatown neighbors uh, that got to know each other through community events, and they've grown into a network of dedicated volunteers from a broad spectrum of professional backgrounds. Um, and Yin Khan is a community-based designer living and working in Manhattan's Chinatown. Think Chinatown is the culmination of her work in urban design, museum, culinary, and cultural instruction, and community engagement. Well, thanks for having us. It's always great to have a local publication in the community. Yeah, we're excited. Um, can you can you talk about the beginning and your inspiration for Think Chinatown? Hmm. Well, you know, as as we said in our bio, it was really about seeing each other in the community and um, finding the people that had the same thoughts and language about the future of Chinatown and coalescing around projects that we thought were important that weren't being done in the community and just adding our voices there. You know, we just started doing these storytelling projects about cultural translation about belonging and about cultural identity um, in Chinatown and just seeing how much um, interest there was, not only in um, enjoying these projects as, a, as an audience, but also in creating them. Um, so we started these small, small projects and they just kept growing and um, getting more support. Uh, so we kept we kept going and also have to acknowledge that uh, we're not actually a new entity or a new organization. We're actually part of a larger umbrella organization or an older umbrella organization, Create in Chinatown, uh, which formed uh, in a post 9-11 recovery. And so that's why we have this depth of um, knowledge and wisdom to draw from because our board uh, has so much experience in in. Um, cultural activism and 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 uh, operating within the neighborhood and within thinking about the future of Chinatown that uh, we're able to 
you know, be able to grow and, and do all these things. Out from under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. We're within that umbrella. Mm-hmm. And so, but officially you started uh, 2017? Yeah, the end of 2016 and 2000. It's a little bit murky. Like, what is our birthday? <laughs> we don't know. There wasn't like a moment where like, oh. It was, um, I think maybe what we started considering our birthdays when we started writing the grants and then we had to like write a name yeah. on there. Yeah. And, and you have now a brick and mortar space, a yeah. more, more official space that you've moved into fairly recently. Yeah. It's been a year uh, on one pike uh, just down the road from here. Um, and it's, it's been a game changer because we've been, um, not only able to program the space as we want, um, just with our, you know, intention and our work surrounding us on the walls, we've also been able to offer that to um, our community members and our partners, which we know is so important because we used to big borrow steel spaces all across Chinatown, which is really fun too. That's kind of like how the block party started because uh, we didn't have our own space, so we would borrow the newsstand and turn it into a DJ booth that, you know, and then, you know, just get into the street and, and have that block party. Or, you know, we'd use a vacant storefront window and put an exhibit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was always kind of arts and events uh, based as far as how things, the events started to happen culturally, right? I would say the... The, the programming, like the, the public deck activations, that is what you see from the outside. That's, that's, okay. That is like the outside facing work. Mm-hmm. But the core of it is actually in our storytelling and our understanding of civic engagement. Uh, that's very deep work that may not be so visible from the outside. Um, it's, it's all connected, right? It's creative placekeeping. We have all elements. We say we work at the intersection of storytelling, arts, and neighborhood engagement because you need all three to go deep, uh, to reach others, and also to have a vision forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's um, so some people are confused. They're like, why do you call Think Chinatown? You guys just do like parties and stuff, right? Like, no, actually, we spent a lot of time thinking about the future of Chinatown. And in that vision, we create moments of joy. We want to bring people together, like our night markets, um, like the Chinatown Arts Festival. Um, it's about bringing people together so that we can move forward together and vision together. Yes, and I did want to mention um, that you also are described on the website as an intergenerational nonprofit. Um, and so what is what makes that important and why is that written into the you know mission statement? It is so important to learn from the work before. No one's doing anything new. Like no one. <laughs> you know, we are we are all building on the work of those who've done the work before us, our our ancestors, our mentors. Um, so for us, it's really important to keep that connection. Um, and learn from our elders, learn from the people who know this work um, and also um, connect to the future. Um, But specifically why we call it intergenerational is because of uh, our relationship with CREATE in Chinatown, which was a nonprofit 
uh, formed the generation before us and um, how we've hermit crab shelled into that so that we are actually like, mm, like not two organizations, but we're like two generations of, uh, or, you know, depending on how you look at it, three um, working together and building on that foundation, um, we're able to do the work that we do and also just get that advice, that depth, that understanding, oh, we tried that before, like 10 years ago, and this is what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, like these mm -hmm. are things you might want to look out for. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also that understanding that gives me the confidence. And I don't know, I know people was like, you don't need a permission from anyone, but I don't know. I kind of feel like I do need permission mm -hmm. within in community work um, to feel like I understand. Um, I I've 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 asked. I've I've learned um, before I take these steps forward to validate my own instincts and and ideas um, and always check um, with those with more knowledge. I, I think that's so important. Of course. They get skipped over a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. I think especially in this new age of, like, social media activism, there's all these, like, first, first, first. It's mm -hmm. like, um, no, I, I don't think anyone, you know, no one really is the first. Let's right. look back and learn before you move forward or... or, or well, sure. I mean, it's just a practical matter and somewhat, besides honoring what's come before, it's a matter of... Um, not making the same mistakes, exactly like you said. Oh, well, that didn't work. But if you if you weren't checking or incorporating that, you wouldn't know that it didn't work. You would just go and do it and then, then learn the hard way, probably. Yeah, and it's also about that feeling of having that feeling of support that is so deep when you have these people who've worked so hard in the community for their whole lives stand behind you. It's, it's really a different feeling. And that is the well of energy we draw from to do all these impossible projects um, and to inspire us to keep doing them. So tell us about the impossible projects. <laughs> well, you know, every year we, we do more and more projects and more and more programming and uh, we just keep on doing more. So it just always seems impossible, but then it always happens. Um, one big project that's coming up is, for us is the Chinatown Arts Festival. It used to just be a week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now it's a whole month. So it'll be the month of October. Wow. And we have all sorts of events, um, all sorts of free public events, like dance workshops um, to learn traditional Chinese dance from Margaret Yuen, who lives right here. And um, you know, it'll be at Pier 35. Uh, we'll have a big opera night uh, with the Fujinese Opera Group, mm -hmm. um, full orchestra. Um, all the outfits, um, it's a huge event that takes over Forsyth Plaza, which has really become the biggest venue in Chinatown, that we've turned that public plaza into the biggest stage now in Chinatown. And that, for people who don't know, it's actually right at the base of the uh, Manhattan Bridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful backdrop, the Manhattan Bridge. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice to have that. Um, and then... We'll have, you know, like tea experiences. We'll have um, 
a lot, uh, releases of our new storytelling projects that are uh, video, on video, uh, what do you call them? film, short films that are a culmination of our storytelling projects throughout the year, and that will be screened at TCTV. Um, so it's all across Chinatown. Um, also, our story project, uh, storytelling project, landmarks, which we interview people in the community about their personal landmarks. A lot of these places don't exist anymore, um, and they share their stories about it, their memories, and um, we're going to be sharing back on that. So what type of landmarks would that be? Like um, a It's everything. It could be like a favorite um, bakery. It could be um, a, a space that you know their family used to have a business in. Um, it could be um, you know, like a, a cultural space. Mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things that have come and gone or that a uh, couple that are still there but understanding what our neighborhood was like before I think is really important um, and just really beautiful to hear these stories because um, for us um, for the younger generation to kind of get into the minds of the older generation that have seen these changes, I think, is really interesting. Um, so that's a really fun project. Another um, really important project we've been working on that we'll be presenting for Chinatown Arts Festival is um, about the Yellow Pearl, which is the first Asian American art publication um, that was done in Basement Workshop. Um, so we've been interviewing um, these artists that worked on um, the pieces, it was both art, uh, poetry, songs, um, really at the birth of the Asian American movement, just even understanding that term or, or naming ourselves Asian American mm -hmm. um, was that, that really pivotal moment. And it was uh, just, you know, they all self-fundraised and, and they did it. And so we've been interviewing people who were there, a part of that process, and also working with uh, the artist Treya Lam, who has been playing these songs. Um, these are folk songs that were, you know, by and for us in the Asian American movement. And Treya has been um, interpreting these songs for themselves and for us. Uh, and they've performed at a previous uh, night market. And so we'll, we'll be, uh, they'll be performing with um, Tayona and um, amongst a lot of the, the OG crew that was there when it was made. It seems like you're connecting this through line that's from the past into the present. Exactly. Yeah. So when you say that you guys are doing a lot of thinking <laughs> about the future of Chinatown, what does that look like in your, your ideal view? A truer form of representation. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean about being included in a, a real way in decision making about what our the future of our neighborhood will be like. Um, I think maybe because of my training, I think a lot about community engagement and how city, I've, how I've seen inequitable ways where communities like ours, immigrant communities, are not engaged with properly because it's too messy. There's too many layers. They don't know who to talk to, so they pick like one guy. It was a guy, 
one guy that's like tokenized as like the one to speak for all of them, mm-hmm. all the people in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And they move forward with that vision without actually listening to the many, many layers because it's too messy. They can't deal with it. And because there's more than one perspective. <laughs> oh, my. Are we not a monolith? Wow. <laughs> And I think there's been slow change. Um, I think since our work has started, we've made a lot of noise. I also see the change in urban planning by who is at the table and, and um, I mean, and who is on the other side, who is creating these plans. I think it's becoming more diverse. We all know that urban planning was very white um, profession and it's important to have more diversity from that end as well. And they've seen that growth um, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um, having new techniques and ways and understandings of um, hearing from the community um, to, to think big about what are the important changes we need um, in, our, in our neighborhood. So. Speaking about how uh, the change, where you guys are based now on Pike Street, it's Pike and Division, is mm-hmm. that correct? So you're right on this borderline, um, definitely the borderline of Chinatown and Lower East Side. And uh, there's been a lot of change right there in the last yeah. few years. So what's been your experience of that? Yeah, it is an interesting corner. Um, yeah, the change has been kind of crazy. Um we just kind of want to be that stake in the ground to, you know, hold strong the, that corner of Chinatown. Um, I hate the phrase Dime Square, but there's a certain demographic that um, goes there for their Dime Square reasons. <laughs> their Dime Square reasons. We, we're, so you mean to go out at night specifically? Um, or? It's a specific vibe. I feel like there's been a there's been a big growth in I would say restaurants and cafes yeah. and nightlife. It's a specific demographic, I would say. Like in, I feel like the age range and like the way they dress and um, you can tell. Young. You can tell. They are on that side and then we are on this side. Um, and of, liter- of, the, of the literal street or block or Area. It's funny because on Allen Street or Pike, Allen turns into Pike right there. Even it, it's not such a clear division, right? The east side, the west side. Like there are still Chinatown businesses on the east side of Allen and or um, Pike. Mm-hmm. But we've seen a few. Okay, many of the Chinatown businesses. They might have been like discount stores or. Um, just other small shops getting taken over by galleries and they you know, do the thing where they keep the awning and then they just do their white box gallery inside and they have openings and they spill out into the street and it's, it's loud. And it's a definite, um, it's a definite riff mm-hmm. in the urban fabric, right? It's definitely something coming from the outside. Yeah, I mean, what's that experience like? seeing that happen and it's art right and so people are like oh you guys do art or art is great i think it's how you use the art right or who the art is for who's welcome into that art space Mm -hmm. i think i think that's that's something that 
I wish were more clearly defined in public discourse because mm-hmm. um, I think it gets glazed over. They get uh, the public art or community art versus this like white box gallerist art. They need to be so, we need like different terms, terms for them because they do different things mm-hmm. um, to the community. One is within the community, one is not even at, it's like, invasion mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of the community so um it, it has been disruptive for sure um and especially on, on henry street i used to live on henry street it's just all along these little alien gallery boxes <laughs> have popped up i'm like who who are you people like who's buying this i have no idea who they are yeah i mean it's it's um it's a long, ongoing, evolving story of, of neighborhood change and especially sort of creative outposts mm-hmm. and how those evolve, right, um, in different ways. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a big conversation. Yeah. It's an important conversation. It's not really one that, you know, like anything, there's never, it's not black and white, mm-hmm. but um, important to have. Yeah, and it's also important for people, especially kids in the community, to understand that art can be for them too. Um, when we first started our exhibitions, it wasn't just at One Pipe Beat. We had a long-term pop-up on the other side of Chinatown on on, um, on Broadway at, across from the old Pearl River Mart, or the, the previous Pearl River Mart. There's so many iterations. And you know, bringing kids in and because they were afraid to. They, they to usually go in. see these like white gallerists um, spaces and, and they think, oh, this is not for me. They walk by mm. and just giving them that experience. It was like, no, come in, come see. And also the art was more relevant to them, the people they might recognize in the photographs, um, giving them that experience also teaching them not to touch the art. <laughs> but then I think it clicked in their head that, you know, they can't, like, they can go look at these art pieces. Like that it wasn't go. a separate foreign thing that they weren't invited to, kind of. Yeah, thing. and I, I think that was, um, they've always seen it as something not for them. Mm-hmm. And so that is something of a narrative that we do want to change, especially with all these public programmings that we're doing for Chinatown Arts Festival, is to really just bring it into the streets, bring it into our plazas, um, our public spaces, and making everyone feel welcome and a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would be your vision specifically right around where you guys are, like going into the future? How can that develop in a more compatible, I would say, you know, communal way? Our Chinatown is a cultural home to so many. We have a lot of you know neighbors and residents um, as well, but it's also a place where people come and feel like they belong here. They may not live here, but they come every week or um, they have a deep emotional connection. And so the future that I envision, right, is continuing that feeling, growing that feeling, having more, um, not just the generations, but layers and different perspectives of the Asian American experience and identity, feel comfortable, coming to Chinatown and being a part of it and contributing, you know, their energy, their love, their their time um, into being here and being part of the community 
because you know the sh there's a, been a shift right in the immigrant um, experience. Um, we Chinatowns were really were came out of exclusion, right? The, the Chinese Exclusion Act really limited where um, people could live, and we were forced to live in these particular. Um, places to build safety and, and, and networks to grow and, and thrive and to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. But into the future, as you know, our, the immigration story is shifting, um, what Chinatown means also will have to shift. Mm -hmm. um, it still is will, will always be about protection, but it'll shift more into protection of identity and belonging. Um, really want it to continue to be a place of joy and where people feel like this is where they want to go to be together. Um, and so that's that's what the important thing is about Chinatowns all across the world. Um, a lot of other Chinatowns, you know, have lost that. They've, they've lost their residences. They've lost that thread. Um, they've kind of become tourist destinations. And that's, even though we do get many tourists, like that's, that's not what development should be for. Mm -hmm. Development in Chinatown or any growth or evolution should always be for us. And then the tourists will come, you know, like that, that'll always happen in, in a city like New York City. Um, but they won't come or there's no point in them coming if there isn't that authenticity of, of feeling and spirit. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for describing that. I think that's a good good vision to leave us with.